what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hi, this is Alan with the quick announcement about something really exciting going on here at The Mesh over the next couple of months. The Mesh is celebrating its first six months of operation by giving one of its listeners an iPad 2. And the more you listen to The Mesh, the more chances you have to win. Here's what you do. Listen to any episode for any of the shows that we have on our Mesh network that we post between January 1st, 2012 and March 31st, 2012. At some point during those episodes, and that includes the one you're listening to, you will be given a code for the contest. Write the code down, visit the Mesh's website at themesh.tv, and you'll be given instructions on where to enter your code and an email address. You can enter one code per episode with your email address. So if we post 100 episodes between January and March of this year, and you listen to all 100 of them and get 100 codes, that means you'll have 100 entries into our contest, 100 chances to win that iPad. Uh, there will be other information on the Mesh's website about this contest, other rules, regulations, some other uh, legal jargon we got to put in there. That's all on the website at themesh.tv backslash contest. That's where you can enter your codes, and you can also read a little bit more about the contest itself. We really are excited about this contest. We're excited about giving one of our listeners a great prize. And we just want to thank everybody for an incredible first six months of The Mesh. We look forward to providing you with outstanding content for many, many more months to come. Thanks. Foot Candle Films. Film news and reviews from two guys who really like movies. This episode is brought to you by the Foot Candle Film Society. For a schedule of upcoming screenings and membership information, visit the Society's website at www.footcandle.org. Hello and welcome to Foot Candle Films. I'm Alan. With me is Chris. Hello. Chris, I had a crazy idea. What is that? You know how like we just ended a year like yes. a little bit ago and it was like yes. a whole new year? Yes. What if, and I don't think this has ever been done before. Awesome. What if we actually think back and come up with a list of what we thought the best films were for the year of 2011. Okay, before we do that, why don't we copyright that idea? Because I bet we'll make a million. Because nobody's doing nobody's that. Nobody's ever done Nobody's that. done that. Yeah, I think if we did that and we awesome. copyright it, we're set. Yep. We are absolutely set. So we're going to be trendsetters Excellent. by doing a top five we're list. I know. I'm so excited yeah. about this. Awesome. So a top five films for 2011. Now we are going to put our own unique twist on it. We actually have two lists. Ah, because so it'll be doubly as famous. That's right, exactly. We got to copyright both of them. Okay. Uh, as you may or may not know, as listeners out there, we have Foot Candle is a film society here in Catawba County of North Carolina, where we show a film once a month that we bring in that is a little off the beaten path, or maybe one that's not getting played at the major multiplex in town. Right. So we call those our Foot Candle films. So what we're going to do is we're going to give you a top five of the foot candle films we saw this year. And each of us has our own top five list of films we thought of the 12 plus that we showed last year. These were the best we thought. Right. But then we also saw some films that weren't foot candle films are at the at the multiplex, other other theaters, wherever we may have gone. More wide release. Films. Sure. Yeah. So that's we're also going to give our top five non foot candle films. And Chris, can we throw out our one worst movie of the year at the Definitely. end? Okay, good. That's going to be the teaser for everybody. 
there will be a worst film of the year. Stay tuned for that. I know that's what everybody's chomping at the bit to hear us say. So we'll get to that after we go through all of our top five lists here as well. So let's start off with our first list being our top foot candle films. Again, the disclaimer on this is this is, has to be one of the 12 plus films that we showed during the calendar year 2011. Correct? Correct. Okay. So both Chris and I have our top five list in order going from five to one. So Chris, you want to start us off and tell us your number five pick for Foot Candle Films of the Year. Definitely. My number five pick has that rule apply where the 2010 comes into effect because we showed it in January, but it is going to be uh, Never Let Me Go. My name is Kathy H. I'm 28 years old. I now spend most of my time not looking forwards, but looking back on what happened to us at Hailsham. Why didn't Tommy get the ball? There was once a boy who had ran off beyond the boundary. They found him in the woods, with his hands and feet cut off. Who told you these stories? Everybody knows them. And how do you know they're true? You make up stories as horrible as that. Students of Hailsham are special. Which was uh, director Mark Romanek's. He had made uh, was it twenty four hour photo, and he'd made some other ones. But he's mostly a music video director right, before that. Right. Very few feature video. films, right? But uh, yes, did a lot of music videos and was uh, kind of the one of the guys who really pushed music video boundaries a good bit when he was a director. I guess one hour photo, not twenty four hour photo. That'd be yeah. Very, I think be very everybody, everybody corrected you at home, so yeah. you're fine. But um, I really enjoyed that film. It had Carrie Mulligan and Keira Knightley and James Garfield, who had he got a lot of acclaim for like uh, Social Network. Mm-hmm. So, and I believe he's the upcoming Spider Man. Yes, he is. So, but um, I really liked the film. Um, it's hard to talk about because you don't want to have spoilers in it. But it kind of, kind of talks about um, the issues of cloning, I guess. Is sure. It? And uh, it's fair enough. Well, the movie's been out for a little while. It's on DVD. I'm sure a lot of people, if they have any interest in this film, have probably already heard a little bit more about it. And it's Uh, kind of science fiction in nature, but has, it's like a really thinking person science fiction where it's not spaceships flying in. It's realistic science fiction. It's the most unscience fiction, science fiction film I think I've seen. Right. Like a Merchant Ivy, Ivory science fiction. There you go. That's a good description of it. It was really well acted. And, you know, of course, Mark Romanek, his way with um, shots and cinematography. So I really enjoyed it. And uh, that's my number five. And I'm not going to say anything more about it other than I think it's too low on your list. (laughs) So I'm going to give my number five. And that is the film 127 Hours. Now, you could argue that both Never Let Me Go and 127 Hours. Yes, they did come out in 2010. We showed them as Foot Candle Films in 2011. So they're on our list. All right. Uh, 127 Hours, directed by Danny Boyle, starring James Franco. Just a visceral, energy-infused film that just – it had me the whole way through. Um, I'll admit I had really high expectations for it. It was a little – performed a little below my expectations. Interesting. However, it still was enough of a powerful film to to be my fifth favorite one that we showed this year. Um, I think Danny Boyle is just – he's a – He's not always a perfect filmmaker, but he's always a very fascinating filmmaker to watch, even in the movies that just don't quite work. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of Slumdog, Slumdog Millionaire. I thought it was a little overrated. 127 Hours, I think, got the right 
critical response, it didn't get the box office pull. It didn't really you know, set the world on fire. But this real life story with very visual, stylistic interpretation of this gentleman's uh, being, being trapped in a canyon and uh, the efforts and, 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 and things he had to go through to try to get rescued or get freed. It's just it was it was haunting, and I thought Danny Bull's direction, the visual style, the flourishes he put in the film, it just it really kept me going. It's a it was an inspiring film for me, so it's my number five. Hey, you lost. I'm a guide. What do you say? Well, the guidebook says that the route's through here. I know a better way. Oh, you have to remember that everything will be okay. Aaron! Aaron! It's my number four. Oh, nice. We almost planned that. I know. Um, I wish we could have had a foot candle discussion on that because it seems like, I think we would have debated because it seems like you're not as big a fan of it as I am. Well, now, let me just clarify it. My expectations were extremely high. I got you. Okay. It performed slightly below my high expectations. <laughs> Still a good film. Right. Very good film. Um, but, yes, I, I'd say I was a little disappointed to some degree, but it was still yeah, a really I, good film. I really, really liked the film from start to finish. And the fact that it's at number four means the things that are above it must be really good. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. But I, um, just the cinematography in the movie didn't disappoint. And the fact that I was riveted for the entire time. I mean, you think, I mean, no spoiler here. It's about a guy who gets trapped all by himself, mm-hmm. you know, when he's out hiking. And but once he gets trapped, that's it. You're right with him for the rest of the movie. And... You know, it wasn't boring to me. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel like it was too long. It didn't feel like it was 127 hours watching it. So that's just, to me, a credit to Danny Boyle. I think he's a really interesting visual director. And I will admit, kind of like with you, um, I'd always been a really big, strong fan of his. And then Slumdog happened. And unfortunately, by the time I saw it, I did see it in the theater, but by the time I saw it, it had been way overhyped. Yes. And then I saw it, and I was like, well, that was good, but I mean, really? And then it went on to win all these Oscars and everything. Yeah. I'm like, wow. I was happy for Danny Boyle because I really liked him, but I was kind of like, huh, well, I'm glad he won for that, I guess. you know. But, right. So I was really, 127 hours, I actually went in with a little lower expectation. Oh, I was okay, like, good. Well, you know, maybe he's just gone all commercial now and it's not going to be. But no, with 127 hours, he kind of reversed my opinion of him. Right. Or not opinion of him, but. Well, I will say on a side note to anybody listening, if, if you haven't dug very far into Danny Boyle's filmography, one film I really recommend. I mean, most people know Train Spotting. Mm-hmm. I think The Beach was a Leonardo DiCaprio film he did. Yep. Um, but the one I would really encourage people to check out is Sunshine, which is the science fiction film that he made. Because I know Chris and I differed a little bit. I think I liked it more than you did, probably. It was one of our very, very early Foot Candle films that we showed. I thought it was a great sci-fi film, other than the ending. If you just skip the last 15 minutes, don't watch the ending of the film. (laughs) The rest of the film is great. So Danny Boyle is just a director. He has done about every genre I can think of right now. Uh, yeah, with very few exceptions, he yeah. really makes his films diverse from one another. Yeah, yeah, Shallow Grave, which I think was oh, his that's first a good one, one oh, which is yeah. like a very Hitchcock thing, which yes. I think you would really, you probably really. Like. I love Shallow Grave. I love Train Spotting. Um, have you seen Millions? Yes, I have. I like that one as well. 
Yeah. I really, I'm a fan of just about all of his films. Right. Uh, the only one I need to go back and revisit is a, a life less ordinary. I saw that back oh, when I was in college I and like it didn't work for me when I saw it, really? but I think it was more of the mood I was in. Huh. I want to go back and revisit it. Cause right now that's one of the few films of his that just didn't connect for me the first time I you saw it. I'm actually interested. We've gone way off topic here, but, um, sunshine speaking of, I'd be interested to watch that again and see, cause I remember liking it a lot, but I actually think I remember trying to defend the ending and saying, did I, you? And saying I liked it. And that was like, okay. All and right. I think I wonder if going back and watching it now, if it would, if I would hold up with it, but I remember the ending is kind of all over the place. It's the ending's very that. chaotic and yes. can really put some people off. So right. yeah. Okay. Huh. All right. So moving along. So 127 hours, that was your number four. Correct. All right. My number four is Woody Allen's midnight in Paris. I mean, this, this is unbelievable. There's no city like this in the world. You're in love with a fantasy. I'm in love with you. What are you, oh, what are you hey. doing here? Dad's here in business, and we just decided to preload a lot. <laughs> oh. That's great. We can spend some time together. Well, I, know, I think nice. we have a lot of commitments, but I'm sure it's... We'll, what? I'm not the world's biggest Woody Allen fan. I've seen a few of his films. I saw Annie Hall. Eh, it was all right. I'm just not a Woody Allen guy. Um, there are moments of Woody Allen films I really admire. There are scenes I could really cherish when I see them. But as a whole, I'm not going to just rush out every time Woody Allen puts out a film. Midnight in Paris we brought as a foot candle film. And honestly, I wasn't terribly excited about it. Um, Owen Wilson, eh, he's kind of losing his appeal for me. I just, I'm not really interested in seeing a whole lot of what he's into. Uh, the topic matters doesn't sound very fascinating. I just had a really fun time with this film. I think it was just a nice breath of fresh air to have something that wasn't so heavy, wasn't so complex. It was a really simple, nice, sweet film about the idea of nostalgia and the good and the bad that come with that. Uh, the idea of living in the past versus living in the now. I, I just really enjoyed the lightness of it. I think we needed that. I think if I remember correctly, we had shown some kind of downer some films downers. this year. Yeah. So to see Midnight in Paris, it was a really nice, uplifting film. Uh, so that's 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 my uh, that's my number four. I think Woody Allen did a great great film with that one. It's one I look forward to seeing again because it just had some really fun moments in it. Okay, my number three was uh, Thomas McCarthy, or Tom McCarthy. I can call him Tom. Uh, his film, Win Win. And uh, this was a smaller film, um, but I really liked the performances of Paul Giamatti and Amy Ryan, and that was where he was a small-town uh, lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, he's a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, he takes on a kid and tries to help him through a troubled child and has him get into wrestling and tries to help him. And I just really... I don't know. I really liked it. It was a small movie. We'd shown another movie of his, I think, in the year before called The Visitor. Yes. No, the year before, the year before that. Yes. Anyways, um, and I really like the director. I really like the movies that he chooses to do. They're all kind of similar, but yet they're different enough. And it's like small town American life focusing in on characters. And uh, I know I, I, I really enjoyed it. What are you so stressed about? Money is tight. This boiler sucks. How much to fix it? Six grand. Holy. My law practice is struggling. Mr. Poplar has been deemed incapacitated by this court. Did we win? And the team is hopeless. I can't watch this. Who's that? 
You looking for Mr. Poplar? He's my grandfather. I came to live with him. I don't have a grandson. Yeah, you do. Okay. Well, because it's my number three, I'm going to go ahead and uh, expand on that a little bit, too, and echo everything you said. This was also just a very great character movie. I liked the characters involved. I wanted to know more about them all, whether it was the young kid, the young wrestling kid, which I thought he did a great job for his first acting job ever. Uh, Paul Giamatti's character, even though you could argue that he was basically playing a Paul Giamatti character. (laughs) He does it so well, and it's still just someone you want to spend more time with, even even despite all of his flaws. Uh, The whole wrestling team, the assistant coaches, I mean, the wife, Paul Giamatti's wife, I thought Amy Ryan did a great job in the film. She did. Overall, it's just it was these were real people, real reactions to things, real choices being made, Um, and they didn't go the Hollywood route either. I mean, it did not end on the super high note. I mean, it ended on a very realistic note Mm -hmm. and that's what I liked about it as well. So I agree with you. I thought win-win was a great film and I am between the visitor and win-win. Yeah. Thomas McCarthy, um, really keeping an eye out for where, where he goes next. Yeah. It's great. All right. What you got next? My number two is uh, midnight in Paris. Ooh. And, um, I think you had it, you had it on your number three, uh, four, four. number four. You had it way too low. Um, (laughs) Woody Allen, I think, is a great director, but he's had shoddy material for a while. Yeah. Um, and he really returned to form. Actually, Woody, why don't you just go out now? Why don't you just retire? Make go, that his go last out film. On a high note, buddy. Mm-hmm. Especially because I think you're probably going to be rewarded at Oscar time this year for maybe screenplay or whatever. Go out on a high note. You know, I don't hear anything on the whole movie news circuit about any film he's working on. Of course, you don't normally hear about Woody Allen films. he's doing so many. And yeah. He does like one a year. So. That would be nice, I agree, because it's, it's how nice would it be for your last film that you make publicly to be just a really great film. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, to expand upon what you said, I, Owen Wilson, who's kind of the star of the film, um, he'd kind of, you know, he'd gone – He'd had some problems, and he kind of stepped away from acting for a while and was kind of out of films. And he, This is one of the first ones that I've seen of his since he's come back. I did miss Joel Bitt Taylor. Um, so <laughs> it, was, it was nice to see him acting again, and actually nice to see him acting in a non-Wes Anderson movie. Yeah. Um, and he was, you know, he was funny, but he wasn't over-the-top quirky. Right. He was just – he was really, really good. His character let the situations around him – play for laughs right he he just had to react to everything he did a really good job of reacting to everything that he was experiencing uh you know midnight in paris for those you don't know basically he finds a way to travel back in time Mm to uh the 1930s and 40s back in in paris and a very magical time that he wanted to visit anyway he's always envisioned in his head him being a writer and wanting to go back to the heyday of some of the, the artists and writers that were going to Paris at that time. So um, it was just a, it's, it's a fun, light time travel movie that you don't have to sit there and try to argue and rationalize how the time travel works. Nobody yeah. even questions it. No, it's just, supposed it's to just like, it just happens. Like, Oh my gosh, this just happened and I'm going to enjoy it and live it up. And that's what you do. And um, I don't remember, except for the except Kathy Bates playing Gertrude Stein. I don't remember a lot of the other actors' names who played like the cameo appearances of these people that he meets in the past. But that was also a highlight of the film for me because 
I'm kind of, at one point I was kind of like a literary nerd. So I knew a lot of the little writers they were talking about or some of the artists mm-hmm. like um, Man Ray and Dali and all these other people. And I really thought that was kind of neat. I mean, you could think it was just kind of like a stunt to go back and do all that. But I thought it worked really well and I, I really enjoyed it. Well, I probably would have had it a little higher on my list if I was a literary geek like you were. Because unfortunately, I'm not. So a lot of the names, I didn't okay. quite get the connections. <laughs> sure. But um, I still really greatly enjoyed the film. Okay. Uh, well, my number two, I guess that's where we are right now, right? Yes. Number two, my number two, you've already mentioned it as your number five, I believe. Never Let Me Go, uh-huh. Mark Romanek. I, yeah, I adore this film. I just thought it was great. Um, I love Romanek's visual style anyway, the crispness of his images and yes. just the clean images he, he puts together. So I was already excited about this film even before I you know, saw it and, and read much about it. Hmm. Uh, Andrew Garfield, I think is the real deal. I think he's a really solid actor Seems to be. and he, he put on a really great, fragile, emotional performance here of someone that's, uh, you know, like you said, it's the situation these kids are in, I, I can't relate to them. It's a very unique situation where they're learning about themselves. They, they grow up in this very confined school that there's a lot of mystery around why they're there and why they don't venture out beyond those walls. Right. Um, and as you learn what's going on, yes, there are those sci-fi elements, but they never they never overpower. You don't spend a lot of time dwelling on the sci-fi elements. You dwell on the people. You want to know how these revelations are affecting these characters. And uh, gosh, I mean, it just the acting all the way around, I thought, was, was, was really, really good. Um, but, you know, you've got your star turned by um, – the girl in the film, Carrie Mulligan. Carrie Mulligan, who, you know, I think is becoming a foot candle favorite here yes. between an education and now never let me go. Great actress. And oh, yeah. you know, even Kira Knightley, who I've never been a big fan of, I thought did a great job in this film too. Yeah. So the trio of the three of them who really, that's, that's the film. It's all about these three characters and their relationship. I bought it. They, they sold it. I got it. Um, great film. So that's my number two. So Chris, are we, are we going to have the same number one film? I'm thinking because you have not mentioned it yet. Yeah. I can't imagine you not mentioning it. And I'm kind of thinking the same way about you. Right. So go ahead and spell it out there. Yeah. We have the tree of life. Yes, we do. There are two ways through life. The way of nature and the way of grace. You have to choose which one you'll follow. We're alligators. You'll be grown before that tree is tall. Chris, before we talk about the Tree of Life, you realize that, and we have not compared these notes before, we had the same five films. Yeah, just in different different order. That's pretty creepy. Okay. Of course, we only had 12 to choose from. Still. So, same five out of 12. All right, not too bad. Our brains are operating on the Project same wavelength. Kind of creep in there for you. Uh, no, uh, yeah. didn't make it. So, okay, Tree of Life. Tell me. I know we had our one of our first episodes uh, here of the uh, the podcast talking about Tree of Life. So we we gave it a good thorough review at that point. But I'm curious, what's your thoughts now that you've let it settle in for a couple months here? My thoughts are that it just, you know, one of the things that if it's a top five film or you know definitely your number one, it's a film that you immediately want to see again. Yes. And at the end of that movie, even though it was a long movie, mm-hmm. I could have 
probably not at that point because I was tired. I wanted to get home, <laughs> but I could have like the next a, day. I could have made a point to go yeah. watch it the next day. Sure. And I wanted to watch it the next day. I I just really liked that film. It gave you a lot to think about. Visually, it was very interesting. Every mm. frame was like I think you mentioned in the review. Every frame was like a piece of artwork you could hang it was. on the wall. Yeah. I just. Man, it was so good. And I'm still thinking about it. You know, there's just too. a lot to chew on and a lot to think about. And I know it has detractors. Understandably so. It's mm-hmm. not for everybody. Right. But that's what, I mean, I guess it's the film nerd in me. That's what makes it one of my favorite films is because that it's not for everybody. But in that, I feel like it was for me. Mm-hmm. So it really spoke to me. So. Well, you know, some of the interesting things I've heard about this film. And yeah, I'm I, I'm same way. Everything you just said. This is the one film that if I had to look at all the films I've seen this year, if I had them all in front of me on DVD and I could pop in any one of them, like right away, it'd be tree of life. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's not because I liked every moment of the film. There are some moments of the film I didn't get. Mm-hmm. There's some moments of the film. I still don't quite understand their relevance and what the imagery was supposed to be showing me. But that's what I like about it is I like the fact that, you know, there's still these images. I mean, I've still got this image of that, of this mask floating in the water oh, yeah. that I don't, I don't know why it was there, <laughs> but the fact that I'm still wondering that and still trying to process it in my brain and how it fits in with the rest of the story, that's a sign of something powerful. That means that that movie has done something to you other than just entertained you for two hours. Right. It's stuck with you. And I still think visually it's the most beautiful film I've seen in a long time. Uh, even that fabled 15 minutes of silence where you're watching the universe being created right in the middle of the film which when I heard that described to me before watching the film, <laughs> I was dreading that moment. Right. I still loved it. I actually sat there and just let the images flow all over me. And, uh, you know, it, it, I, I think I mentioned in the review that if you go in thinking that I'm going to figure this film out, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to try to understand exactly what's happening. You're going to lose it. Okay. Yeah. You're not going to enjoy this film. You've just got to sit there and let it wash all over you. You've just got to let it, you just got to soak it in. And then, after you're done, take some time away from it. Think about it. Process it. See what it means for you. And then, then it welcomes a second viewing where you've gone with a little more defined idea of what you're looking for. And if you go in thinking it's a typical Brad Pitt movie, you're oh, going to be no, very no, frustrated. No. There were several people in our packed house crowded theater yeah. showing this a few months ago that I think were there because of Brad Pitt on right. the marquee. And, He's a big name draw. And uh, he does a great job. Right. He's very good in this film. But – it's, it's, it's not a Brad Pitt film. Um, one comment I'll make on this, you know, Terrence Malick, very interesting director, uh, probably one of the more, uh, say, uh, adventurous directors we have right now in yeah. that he is, he takes his time making films. He doesn't just shoot out a film every couple of years. Right. I think before tree of life, it was, uh, a, a new, new world, world. Yeah. which is probably a good five, six years ago, at least. I think so. Um, Tree of Life was a very deliberate film. He spent a lot of time working on it. Um, supposedly, Sean Penn has come out a little detracting on the film because <laughs> it sounds like maybe his role in the film Wait, was... Sean Penn's cranky? Yeah, well, no. surprise. <laughs> but supposedly, he felt his role was a lot more in when they shot it. And as it is now, his role is very small. And it does entail him a lot of just walking around. Right, not a lot of dialogue. Not a lot of dialogue, a little interior narration going on. Uh so I always wonder with Terrence Malick, did he shoot five times along a film as he really wanted, but he knew once he got in there and started like chopping it up and piecing it together, he decided, nope, this is a story I want to tell. Because hmm. I don't see him as the kind of person that's going to make compromises on his own films. He's going to push out the film he wants. Right. 
So obviously if he shot a lot of stuff with Sean Penn and then in the end decided, you know what? No, I don't want that anymore. <laughs> it's an intentional move. Yeah. Uh, it just makes me wonder what else is out there that he's either shot, done, made that never made it into his films by his own choice in the end. Um, supposedly he's working on two films right now is what I hear. Hmm. There's actually a film with, uh, um, Rachel McAdams and, uh, who's the goodwill hunting guy, not Matt Damon, the other guy, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck, huh? supposedly. But there again, you hear these rumors about films, Terrence Malick's working on, and you don't know if they're going to crystallize or ben not. Ben Affleck hasn't done anything for a while. Has he? He's been directing. He directed, right. uh, he directed the town and he's working on a film now. Uh, very interesting one. I can't remember the name of it, but it has something to do with, uh, McCarthy trials back in the fifties. So he moved to director. So he just kind of yeah. stopped doing that's right. Right. Or he acts in his own films. As he was in the town. Right, he was in the town. So, yeah. Right. No, he's, staying, he's staying pretty busy. Just mm-hmm. not as a, a big, big name actor anymore. Right. Um, hmm. So, yeah, Tree of Life. Wow, it's a number one film. I was kind of wondering if we were going to go that path or yeah, not. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> so there you got it. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to – I'll just mention those five films that we both discussed. We had 127 Hours. We had Midnight in Paris, Win Win, Never Let Me Go. Tree of Life, just in different orders between the two of us. But the same five films we just said out of the 12, we show those are the five best for the year. And uh, that was pretty, pretty exciting. So with that, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to flip the coin over and talk about those films that didn't make it to the foot candle circuit, but we still saw in our uh, local multiplex, maybe some of the more popcorn munching films, maybe some kids films. Who knows? We'll see what gets thrown in the mix. When we come back, we'll discuss our top five non-foot candle films, as well as, yes, that wonderful moment where we will announce our worst film of 2011 that we saw. Stay (laughs) tuned. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. And we're back. Thanks for coming back after the break here. Uh, Before we go any further, let's do a little housekeeping. We got to give out a code. This is our winner code for the contest that's going on at the mesh. You want to give it out? Okay, here it is. Here's the code, Chris. I'm handing it over to you. Just think, if you win the iPad, you have me to thank for it, possibly. Okay? So just remember that. Think of me when you win. The code is TREE1001. So the word TREE, T-R-E-E, and then 1001. One. There you go. And that's to commemorate the tree of life being our joint there number one go. film foot candle film for last year. Okay. So Chris, we both go to the movie theater. Yes. Although I will admit I do not go half as much as I'd like to. We have kids, we have jobs, we have other things happening in our lives. So the theater gets a little harder to get to outside of our normal foot candle screenings, but we True. both did get to go see some movies on our own. Yes. So we put together our own, our own independent list of top five non foot candle films. Correct. So this is films for the rest of you out there. Correct. People who don't enjoy the foot candle films. Maybe there'll be some names here of ones a little more mainstream that people have seen and enjoyed. So with that, I'll start off this one. Cause I know you okay. started number five last time. Uh, my number five, well, before I, I say this, I just got to tell you, non-Foot Candle List Allen and Foot Candle List Allen, 
I can't Are imagine like Two Face. I can't imagine people? they would be friends. <laughs> so, it's like a Two Face thing. Yeah, yeah because yeah, my non foot candle list. Wow, how you'll just hear it as I get through my five. They're about as genre geeky films as you can get. All right, so let's okay. just be saying that number five, Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Our drug allows the brain to repair itself. We call it the cure. We're ready to move on to the next phase. This one. This is wrong, Will. This has the potential to change lives. Some things aren't meant to be changed. This was a film that I honestly thought was completely unnecessary. I had no expectations for uh, when I saw all the CGI apes uh, stuff, I'm like, oh, great. This is going to be just another big CGI fest. Not really interested. Saw it. And although it was not a perfect movie, I have some issues with it. Um, I could watch the motion capture Caesar, which mm-hmm. is done by Andy Serkis. Right. I could watch an entire movie of that character and be totally satisfied. Uh I know we talked about it in a news item last year during one of our podcasts about whether or not somebody doing motion capture should right. get nominated for an Academy Award. Right. I don't see why not, because I actually think it's a harder job, because not only are you acting, but you're having to do it in a way that's going to translate and communicate to the animators who are going to help make your character come to life. Right. So I, I think some some deserved recognition needs to come to this guy uh, for all the work he's done in the motion capture world. But to me, this was... Just an outstanding performance by a CGI ape. Um, you know the 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 energy level, the action never got over the top. It never got unrealistic in a way, even though it's hard to say about rampaging apes and gorillas. But <laughs> it just somehow it worked. I don't quite know what else to say other than somehow it worked. Well, I'm I'm curious. Um, it just missed my top five, um, but I liked it as well. I saw it pretty late in the game. Um, when it came out on DVD, but I still, I still liked it a lot. And I was really pleased with how much of it was more about the story and not yeah. about doing CGA or CGI apes and stuff. Um, what were your things on making it? What were your faults with it? You said it wasn't a perfect film. And I thought it kind of not perfect, but I thought it was. Well, James Franco, uh, I just don't, he just didn't work for me. Really? Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I, I, he's a decent actor. And, of course, we just talked about him in 127 Hours, which right. he was great in. Right. This, I, I felt like he was kind of uh, waltzing through the film a little bit. I just didn't feel... He definitely wasn't doing heavy lifting. It was kind of no. like... But I don't know if it was his story. It was more Caesar's True, story. but still. I got to feel like... I mean, Caesar's connection to his character... Right. It was a really key driver for what kind of helped instigate a lot of the stuff. So he should have... Uh, Given a little I more. think he needed to give a little more. Okay. And, uh, you know, CGI is always just kind of a give and take for me. The whole action scene at the end on the, on the Golden Gate Bridge, mm-hmm. I thought was really well done. Mm-hmm. I thought the stuff with Caesar as a baby looked horrible. I mean, I thought it was just distracting and mm. just the whole CGI of a baby ape did not work. Hmm. So it's a, it's a mixed bag. I understand that you have to use CGI to make these things work, but sometimes CGI is just, it just pulls you out of the movie. So a little bit earlier on, I was really nervous about this film because I was not enjoying it like the first 20, 30 minutes. Hmm. It wasn't until Caesar got fully developed and was an adult ape is when I'm, the movie really started to gel for me. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. That was my thing. 
Interesting. All right. So what do you got for your number five? Well, um, my, my list and the foot candle list are non-foot candle, foot candle list. I think they're, they sound like they more came from the same person. Um, really? Yeah. You went um, art house on me on these five, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Which grand, um, means that some of these films I had to see on Netflix, mm-hmm. but they were still 2011 films because they did not come to, uh, the multiplex here. So my number five, mm-hmm. which you'll be like, is what? Never heard of it. You have though. Um, at least I think you have, is Meek's Cutoff by Kelly Reichert and mm-hmm. uh, stars Michelle Williams. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread, till thou return unto the ground. And now, lest he put forth his hand, and take also of the tree of life, and eat, and live forever. Well, if it's riches you're after, there's riches aplenty. That's the truth. You mark my words. (laughs) It's a movie about basically a wagon train going out west, and they don't fare so well. Mm -hmm. Um, And a movie that I can compare it to, which I am actually surprised did not make your foot candle list, uh, was Take Shelter. Take Um, Shelter was my number six. Okay. Take Shelter you know, has a guy and he's struggling. And my, one of the complaints that I made about that movie was I felt like not a lot happened and they didn't do, they didn't make it enough interesting. I didn't feel right. like they did things with the camera work. Okay. And I just said my top, my fifth film, non-foot candle film was Meeks cut off. And all these people are doing for the entire movie is walking out in the plains. Mm-hmm. But what the director does with the camera, the cinematographer does with the camera and the shots they do and the movement they do is just really, really cool. The cinematography. Hmm. And that's what made it not boring to me. Like how, how can you shoot a wagon train that many different ways they did and they made it interesting and just, I don't know. The performances were all, you know, good across the board, but they weren't, I don't know. They weren't over, overdrawn, overdone. It was just really, really amazing. So seek it out. I, it's on my Netflix queue right now. So, uh, I'm not going to be completely shamed here. That most of the films I, I imagine you're going to be bringing up, I probably already have on my viewing list ah. or queued up. So, okay. uh, but yeah, you are going to go art house on me, man. Oh, <laughs> okay. That's fine. All right. Let me, let me hit my number four. Sure. <laughs> Where my, okay. This is the point I'm at. Rise of the Planet of the Apes was my most artistic film wow. of the five. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Number four, Real Steel. What was he like as a boxer? Charlie was the top contender, number two in the world. Then the fight game changed. I'm coming with you. No, you're not. I'm either coming with you or you're fishing for your keys in the sewer. Oh, my God, that was close. Whoa. Stubborn kid. This ain't a video game. This is for real. Let's make some money! Wow. Let me just okay, tell you. My mind is blown. <laughs> wow. Here's the deal. All right, first Wait, off. What did you do with Alan Jackson? Where is he? <laughs> uh, let me just tell you. Real Steel. Um, when I heard about this film, Hugh Jackman acting alongside fighting robots. It was the uh, Rock'em Sock'em Robot movie is what I was deeming it when I was watching this. Sounds like the, the previews. And the previews were horrible. Yes. Oh, dear like Lord, they were bad. a movie that was even worse than the Transformer Yes. Movie. Let me just tell you, this was a fun, fun movie. Really? It was completely over the top. 
It was like Rocky on steroids. I mean, but it had all the right elements of a rising through the ranks and fighting for your life and getting pumped up and cheering for the good guy. All those things you wanted from a good, fun movie. And I will say, too, it was a fun family movie. I mean, hmm. the thing is, I think it was PG-13, but there really wasn't a whole lot. I mean, it's robot violence. It's not like people are robot getting hurt violence. bad. <laughs> and uh, my boys, God, they love this film. So yeah. they're just itching, waiting for it to come on DVD to watch it. Hmm. So I will say it was a fun movie to watch. Okay. Um, don't put a lot of brain power into it. Uh, I will say Hugh Jackman gives it his all. I mean, that's the thing for him to be signed on to do a fighting robot movie. He acted his butt off in this thing. He huh. played a good role. Uh, it was probably the most charismatic role he's done since I guess he did the uh, Wolverine in the first X-Men movies. And all. it's just, you gravitate to him. You like the guy hmm. and the CGI was great. It did not distract me at all. It was like, it, it worked. It just seemed to flow. So uh, I'm saying real still, I think it was a fun movie. So, and you're ranking it above Rise of Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I know. Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay, I'll have to I tell it you, it, the uh, the baby ape uh, CGI just kind of really took me important. out. That and James Franco. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, um, this one I'll, I'll bring it back to the multiplex a little bit for my number four. Let's go meet the rest of the bridal party. Oh, Come on, get to punch it a couple times. You remember my cousin Rita? They just bought a new house. It is gorgeous. I wouldn't know. I only see the kitchen and the laundry room and the ceiling in my bedroom. Sometimes the floor. This is Becca from work. This is your husband? Oh, no, I don't know him. Single. I was so distraught when I was single. I'm fine being by myself. Oh, Becca. This is Dougie's sister, Megan. Bridesmaids. Wow. Okay. Good. And uh, good. Kristen this is Wiig, good. Feel a little Rudolph. better about your list now. There you go. Uh, Kristen Wiig. Uh, she wrote it and uh, didn't direct it, but she wrote it and stars in it. And Maya Rudolph really enjoyed it. It was a good comedy. I guess it was maybe this year's <laughs> this year's Hangover, since Hangover Two was horrible. It was solid all the way through. More laughs than just what were in the trailer. And I will say, unfortunately, it's now out of the theater, so you guys can't see in the theater. But it was one of those true theater-going experiences where I went on a Friday night. It was a packed house. Mm -hmm. And watching a funny movie, watching a comedy in a theater with a lot of people is an experience that everyone should have at least once in their life. Sure. Where, they go, where they go see a really good comedy and everybody in there is laughing. You kind of get maybe a little bit irritated because you miss some of the funny lines because people are laughing so hard. Right. But it's still such a fun experience. That's really the way to watch those kind so, of yeah, films. So, yeah, it was I my agree. number four. I mean, the experience is definitely pretty hot, but the movie itself was still good. So, uh, yeah, that's my number four. Okay. Well, let me, uh, <laughs> continuing on my path of <laughs> popcorn movies for my non-foot candle list. Number three is Captain America. How's it feel? It's all there. Your task won't be simple. Who the hell are you? The first of many. Your enemy is not what you expect. I really dug Captain America. I think it has all to do with the, the nostalgia side of it. I think the fact that they set all of it back during World War II, which I thought was just brilliant. That's mm -hmm. what it should have been to begin with. Um, the look, the visual style of it, the 
uh, the, they had theme song music written for his, uh, you know, his uh, <laughs> performing for the troops. And that was just, just, just another little extra touch where it's just made this film feel really good. Um, I'm a Captain America fan. I love it. I, I think uh, it's a great character. I know a lot about the tradition. So there was a lot of little visual Easter egg clues in there that kind of were nice for fans of, of, of the comic or and the character in general. Hmm. So yeah, Captain America, I really, I had a blast with it. That was a fun, fun movie. Uh, that's kind of the theme for my non foot candle list is what were some good fun movies because my foot candle films were my, I got to sit down and think uh, with my brain and, and work on these films. These are my ones that, you know, just go and have a good time with the movies. So Captain America is my number three. That's, that's interesting. I it didn't make my list, but I actually, of the Avenger movies that came out, um, I didn't see Thor, which I think was probably a good thing. From what it, I, it was okay. One, one good, but it was okay. But I did see Captain America and I was actually surprised at how good it was because yeah. I expected it to not be that great. And I actually thought it was pretty, pretty solid. Well, the thing that really impressed me in that movie is, you know, you take a a classic character like Captain America, who is your true white bread, good old boy, doesn't say anything offensive to anybody, you know, just is always the Eagle Scout. Mm-hmm. And it would be so tempting in today's m- modern movie making society to want to say, oh, let's make him a little edgy. Let's make right. him a little more hip. They did not. I mean, they right. made him about as plain Jane Eagle Scout as you could make him. Yeah. And it still worked. I mean, it wasn't like you didn't get – you weren't annoyed by it. I mean, he just – he didn't have to say any dumb catchphrases. He didn't say <laughs> witty remarks all the time. Right. He was just a good, solid person. You just knew they made him somebody that said, I want to do good. I don't have to be hip. I'm okay being square. Right. I'm going to be the square superhero. You know. Yeah, I think that was one of the things I went in. I'm not a fan of Captain America and the mm-hmm. comic books and everything. I'm more of a Batman person as yes, opposed you're to the Captain dark, America. You're the I dark am a Knight. Dark. Yeah. And so I actually expected the movie to be more along the Superman route, where it's like so cloyingly sweet and like, oh, this person's like the best person in the world, and they're Mister, you know, I'm Mister Perfect, which mm-hmm. is like what Mister Superman is, which is why he annoys me, obviously. And Captain America didn't annoy me, right. and I thought he would, and so that's sure. one of the reasons why, you know, I ended up liking the movie, even though it didn't make the top five. Okay, great. All right. So now to my number three. Your number three. And we have left the parking lot of the multiplex, mm. and we pulled into the small back to the art house indie theater art yeah. house. Yes, that's where we are. Uh, my number three is Drive. If I drive for you, you give me a time and a place. I give you a five minute window. Anything happens in that five minutes, and I'm yours, no matter what. I don't sit in while you're running it down. I don't carry a gun. I drive. So you just moved to LA? No, I've been here for a while. What do you do? I drive for movies. Is that dangerous? It's only part-time. You put this kid behind the wheel. There's nothing he can't do. Kid, I want you to meet Mr. Bernie Rose. My hands are a little dirty. So am I. Director Nicholas Winding Refn with uh, Ryan Gosling, Carrie Mulligan, which, uh, Carrie Mulligan. Yes. Good actress. We um, need to have, like, we, we really need to have a foot candle shrine of some sort to, to people. I think we've remarked that we haven't seen her in a bad movie. I, I haven't. In it, no. you know, an education. And then we had Never Let Me Go, Drive. It's like, if she's in it, that bodes well for the movie. Yes. Um, but really like Drive. Um, very stylistic movie, 
Plot-wise, not a whole lot to it. Stunt driver who is hired to basically help rob banks and things like that. Um, But just very stylistic. The music is really prominent in the movie and plays like kind of a lead character, I guess you could say. Um, But just really enjoyable movie. It is a little tad violent. So Mm -hmm. when I say tad, I mean, yes, it's really kind of violent in some sections. But uh, really interesting movie and goes places where you don't think it's going to go. Albert Brooks gets to play a bad guy, which is kind of Yeah, so that's that's the appeal for me right there. So I'm a big Albert Brooks fan. Yeah, he uh, plays a big bad guy. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, not for everyone, but uh, definitely it was kind of refreshing to see a movie like that. Uh, be in the multiplex and to see yeah. Ryan Gosling, who's kind of like I, now he seems to be like this, you know, he's the rising star actor and he's only going to get these roles. But then to do kind of like an independent odd movie like mm-hmm. this was kind of cool. So it's my number three. Okay. Number two. And I'm very curious to see if this film shows up in your top two or not. Still, I'm, I'm hanging with the, the family fair, the big, the big blockbuster movies, awesome. but I've got the Muppets trying to get the old gang back together again. We haven't done this in a long time. Your fans never left you. The world hasn't forgotten. Sure, it's impossible, but we've got to try. It's time to play the music. It's time to light the lights. It's time to meet the Muppets. Yes! Come on, guys, let's go! Wow. I can't believe we're all back together. Yeah! Sorry. I was super excited. I went in with high expectations. I, I liked the Muppets a lot. Grew up with them. Was a huge fan of the Muppet Show. Yes, is this film just basically one big nostalgia kick? Sure, it is. Does it work? Yep, it does. And I was along for the ride the whole way. It's probably the most I've laughed in the theater in a good while, as far as just really busting out laughing. Uh, the fact that my kids enjoyed it almost as much as I did, and they really didn't have any exposure to the Muppets, Muppets much at all, hmm. uh, just means it works. It works on all different levels. Um, I think Jason Siegel, who wrote the film, he didn't direct it, but he starred in it, and he kind of helped produce, get it all together. I think he was really the driving force behind it. You could just tell he was really wanting to do this movie. You know how sometimes I mentioned James Franco in the Planet of the Apes movie? You just kind of get the sense that, you know, they're doing their part, they're cashing their paycheck, and yes, I'm supposed to act this way. Jason Siegel, you can just tell, he wanted so desperately for this to be a good movie. Hmm. He was putting his heart, soul, and every bit of energy into it he could. So I really just admire that. I, I, I think he seems to be somebody who just, when he gets passionate about a project, he is very passionate about a project. And this is obviously one he really wanted to see happen. So that showed in the screen. I thought... uh yeah, a few few things didn't work as well for me. Some of the songs not quite as catchy as maybe songs that other Muppet movies have had. But overall, I, I can't fault the film for its little its little small faults here and there. You know, it was a great film. It's my number two film of the year outside of the Foot Count of Films. It's kind of an unlikely group of people to be flying together. something that I despise as a kid. My number two, probably don't even get to go to the art house. You just have to, I don't know, go to Netflix. (laughs) But uh, it came out in 2011. So 
but it's uh, Pearl Jam 20, which oh, it does have a big call. name director, uh, Cameron Crowe. Cameron Crowe did that, it. yeah. And, uh, you know, it's about the band, obviously, that came out in the 90s, you know, the Pearl Jam competitor to Nirvana. But I, it, I have always been a fan of theirs, and I was around when they came out with their first album, 10, but I didn't know their prehistory prior to that album, really. I wasn't really knowledgeable about it. I mean, I kind of had heard a little bit about it, but just to get their span from when they started all the way up to present day was very satisfying to see. And in the hands of Cameron Crowe, who, and they mentioned this in the film, one of his first films was Singles. And they, mm-hmm. actually, and they actually had Pearl Jam in that movie. And they referenced that in the film. They show how they kind of got to be friends during that period. And it was just really interesting to see because you kind of get to see a little bit of Cameron Crowe. And interestingly enough, in some of the interviews, they actually show him sitting there and you hear him asking the questions. And you kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of like you can tell the reason he got some of the access he did is because he's friends with them. So it's right. kind of like no one else could have made this documentary except for Cameron Crowe. But um, it was really interesting. And it, I owe the documentary with um, kind of falling in love with Pearl Jam again because I kind of hadn't really dug their albums for the past couple of years, but then I you know, kind of started getting into them again and have mm-hmm. a new appreciation for them. So thank that's you, Cameron Crowe. Well, that's the second of your list that's on my Netflix queue as I speak right now. And so. actually, I have to say, I wonder if the movie that's out in theaters now that I haven't seen, uh, We Bought a Zoo, mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he basically made that movie so that he could get the backing and the funding to do the Pearl Jam. It was kind of like he wanted, because mm. it seems like such a family-oriented, Matt Damon's in it, kind of like a, I mean, Grant, I haven't seen it. Maybe it's a really good movie. I've heard it's actually pretty good. Okay. And, uh, you know, my only argument would be is that I don't think he needs tons of funding to make a Pearl Jam documentary that went straight to video on no, demand and Netflix. he did have Elizabeth Town that didn't do very well. True, but he's still, he's still a big draw. He's he still, still gets the big names on there. He's still a revered director. Um yeah, we bought a zoo. I was, I was. That's one I did not catch. I was curious to see because I'm, I'm a big Cameron Crowe fan. I, Elizabeth Town didn't work completely for me, but, uh, you know, if if you got one misfire out of all the other four or five films he's done, I, you know, I, I'll give him one misfire. It's okay. So uh, when you do Jerry Maguire, you do Singles, you do Oh, Almost Famous, which is one of my top ten favorite films of all time. Yeah, I'll give you Elizabeth Town if it doesn't work too well. And you're still good in my book. Now, would your opinion drop if you'd heard that he'd considered doing a sequel to Say Anything? Um, to follow up? No, because I've heard that rumor before mm-hmm. that he's considered a, a follow-up to Say Anything. I would actually be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Only because it's not an obvious cash grab. I mean, it's it's not like two, three years after the first movie came out and it was a big hit. He goes back and says, no, let's go do a sequel. I mean, this is like, what, 20, 25 years later. Right. It would be looking at those characters in a completely different set of uh, set of boundaries, a whole different time frame, whole different everything. So, sure. no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see it as a cash grab. I'd be okay with that. My number one. All right, so far in my list, yeah, I've re- had... Let's recap your list. Recap. <laughs> Rebel Apes. Fighting Robots, Goody Goody Superhero, awesome. Puppets. That's been my that's been my non foot candle what list is so going far. To be your number one. Well, I'm going back to the superhero thing. I'm going back to the superhero thing. My favorite non foot candle film of the year was, was 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 uh, <laughs> X Men First Class. The cost of freedom is always high. No one can foresee precisely what cost it will take. One path we shall never choose, and that is the path of surrender. 
You ready for this? Let's find out. I don't know what it was about this film. I don't know if it was being the fact that it was set in the 60s. I don't know if it was Matthew Vaughn as director who just put a really nice style on everything. More than likely, it was just Michael Fassbender and James McAvoy getting to act off each other. Man, this movie just really got me going. I mean, it, it was a, uh, and I wouldn't even say it was the action sequences that really thrilled me. It was just these meeting of the minds between uh, James McAvoy, who plays Professor X from from the the other X Men movies, but a younger version. Right. Michael Fassbender, who we've talked about before already in the show outstanding uh, actor and he's playing Magneto, you know, the villain from, from the other movies as well, just the, the camaraderie, but then also the, the difference of ideals that these mm-hmm. two were facing to me, that was what made the movie. It wasn't the special effects. It wasn't the action. It was really these characters, these two main characters. And I love the, I love the whole assembling the team type of uh, movie whenever they have those, whether it be for army, whether it be for special forces type groups or whether it be superheroes. I just love the idea of we're getting the team together. We have to build this team. So getting to meet all these characters, but these two guys are the ones that just kind of held the glue together and having it take place in the sixties and having it kind of tie along with a behind the scenes history of the Cuban missile crisis. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just a really great move. So I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This is uh, you know, it's not overtaking tree of life as my film of the year. Cause you know, tree of <laughs> life is still, list. it is. Right. But as far as if I got to sit down with maybe uh, some of my older kids or with just uh, some friends and watch a good fun movie that, uh, I don't think too hard about, but yet there's enough there to chew on still to make it interesting. Uh, yeah, X-Men First Class I thought was just a, a great movie. Don't so, forget the Baconator. Oh, yeah, Kevin Bacon. I mean, yeah. Kevin Bacon just uh, playing the bad guy and doing a really darn good job of it. Yeah. Uh, my only misgiving of the film was January Jones uh, playing uh, – she played a, a, one of the bad, bad, bad uh, villains in the film. Man, what is she doing? She was just horrible. She was she's wooden, and and she's supposed to be made out of ice. Well, that was what her character does is turns into ice. Well, she played a very ice like person. I mean, she had no range at all. So anyway, yeah, it was bad. a it was a real frustration that one spot. But otherwise, the rest of the film was was just great. So, what's your number one? Well, my number one, you know, I, I you had it. You had it number two, so but my number one is, is the Muppets. Um, I the Muppets was, made our top two spots. Oh yeah, All right, it's, cool. it's, I really really like this movie. Um, I went in scared that it was not going to you know not going to be good because I have a fond memories of the Muppets as a kid growing up. I mean, I actually I went in kind of thinking that I probably would like it okay, but that I wouldn't think it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, any key for a musical movie that I go see, I have to walk out. If it's successful, I walk out wanting the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And that happened with this movie. Am I a man or am I a Muppet? Am I a Muppet? If I'm a Muppet, then I'm a very manly Muppet. Very manly Muppet. Am I a Muppet? Or am I a man? Am I a man? If I'm a man. I liked all the musical, you know, numbers or whatever. I thought they were really cool. 
I just, I, and like you say, I think you can tell Jason Siegel it was a labor of love for oh, him. You absolutely. could tell he was 100% invested in it. His delivery of the songs, does he have a great singing voice? No. But the way he just, you know, he muscles through it, he is giving it his all, just makes it, just makes it awesome. And, you know, there again, I went with my kids and they loved it, which, yep. and actually, I got the strongest reaction from them in this movie that I've ever gotten from them. And we've seen all different sorts of movies. And at the end of this movie, they were like, that was the best movie ever. And I'm like, wow, really? And they're like, yeah, we just really liked it. I'm like, cool. It's just like the best mortgage on my house to take the kids all to the movies (laughs) and get popcorn and drink that, you know, it was worth it this time because they actually liked it, you know? So yeah, it's definitely, if you guys, and the, the strange thing to me is, it seemed to have kind of a short run in the theater. It came out around Thanksgiving, yep. and then it was gone before Christmas, which it seemed like the perfect family movie mm-hmm. to keep around in the theater. You know, maybe not all day, but maybe for like one or two matinee showings, and it totally dropped off and totally disappeared, which yeah. has me worried because if it's not nominated for Best Original Song for Man or Muppet, Man there or is Muppet. no justice in this world. The songs done by Fly of the Concords, Brett McKenzie, Genius, yeah. And, they were good. They uh, were good songs. Not, if Man or Muppet's not nominated, then I just you know I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page with that. So yeah, definitely the Muppets. Just a really fun movie. Definitely. I mean, just a really fun, well well made movie too. So all right, so that's our top non foot candle films. Chris, you only shamed me a little bit by throwing in some good art house films in there. Not too bad. <laughs> we did okay with the list. Sure. Uh, mine went completely. Uh, comic book shop, it sounded like, but that's okay. That's we we have kids. A lot of my I've got two boys at home. I go see movies with, so a lot of my uh, a lot of my film choices outside of our foot candle films are guided by what can I watch with my 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 uh, my boys as well. Sure. So, can we mention uh, honorable mentions? Are there any other films you think ought to get a little little love, even though they didn't make our top five here on this? Yeah, um, I'll just share some of my honorable mentions real quick. Um, I had actually forgotten about uh, X Men First Class. Mm-hmm. That definitely deserves an honorable mention for me because I'd okay. forgotten about that one. But that's you know definitely worth seeing. Um, Rise of the Apes, Rise mm-hmm. of the Apes falls in there with me. I had thought about it, but it didn't quite make the top five. And the other two, um, Adventures of Tintin, I actually. Oh yeah, really, you like really that? Enjoyed yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, more than I thought I would. And actually, Andy Serkis plays a character in that. I'm beginning to wonder if he's such a good actor. Why isn't he an actor that we actually get to see? Mm. He's always in these motion. Is you know, is he not? Is he only a good motion cap actor? Like, what's what's the deal? I don't know. He's been in a couple of things. He's in as, King Kong as himself. I right. He was actually, but yeah. he also did the A. He also and did he the was A. Actually sure. had a small role in there. Yeah. But I just, I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. Why don't you try to get Mr. Circus on the yes, uh, on the, as a guest one day and, and ask him those questions? But that that was uh, another honorable mention, and then um, Source Code. Which hmm, was uh, really? the movie from Duncan Jones? He came out with Moon, which was a foot candle movie. Yeah. And uh, did you not like Source Code? I, I I thought it was okay. I was I was a little disappointed in it. Really? Yeah. I I don't know. Huh. I I enjoyed Moon so much. This was a bit of a letdown for me. Yeah. Huh. I would say I'll go ahead and mention uh, my biggest surprise of the year. Mm-hmm. Attacking on sure. There's honorable mentions. Um, I'd mentioned it. It was my number four was Bridesmaids. Yeah. Um, because I'd heard about the movie and it was like, oh, it's just going to be a romantic comedy. And it's obviously, you know, it's from the female perspective. So you're figuring like, yeah, I went to see it with my fiance. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm not really going to get much out of this. It's going to be a girl mm-hmm. movie. But I'll probably laugh once or twice. No. 
it was like a girl movie that guys can go see and have just as much fun. You yeah. know, it was awesome. It was really, really solid. Very cool. I only had a couple things just to mention that didn't make my top five. Um, <laughs> based on a suggestion by you in one of our candle recommendations, I saw the film Rubber. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was it was out there. It was messed up. But oh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was it fun. Rewarding? It was. It was fun. Yeah. It was rewarding. It just it took every rule you would you would make about a film and just broke it in half and said we're going to do the film we want to do about a telekinetic rubber tire killing people and uh, but yet it also broke that fourth wall with the viewer so many times oh, it was just it was a it was an interesting watch and so. a lot of the shots in that were really cool yeah like oh, yeah. art and stuff oh sure really neat. Uh, another one uh, I'm not a big romantic comedy guy don't enjoy them but I did see Crazy Stupid Love. Oh, and you know what? That was actually pretty good. Um, Ryan Gosling's so it wasn't in that. Stupid. It wasn't stupid. <laughs> uh, Ryan Gosling, Steve Carell. Oh, it was a good movie. It was a, a and it had a couple interesting twists in it that I'm not going to go into, but just enough to say, wow, that was there was actually some you know some some good writing behind the movie, and I thought Ryan Gosling was really good. Steve Carell played uh, he played Steve Carell, but he did a really good job in in his role as well. So, hmm. stay, crazy stupid love. If you got to go see a romantic comedy, you okay. could do a lot worse than that one. Okay. It's definitely worth seeing. Um, now, I did one. Well, my biggest surprise I was going to mention yeah. was Real Steel. I had already uh, mentioned my list, but that was the one where I just I really thought it was going to suck bad. And but you uh, were it, seeing it for the kids. You're like, I okay. did. I took I took him because you know. Fighting robots. Yeah, my boys are already standing in line the minute you finish saying the word robots. They're already up there buying a ticket right. um, to go with them. And just it being such a fun movie after all was, was great and rewarding. Cool. A disappointment for the year? Was there a film that just really let you down this year that you had high expectations for and just did not meet them? Yes. Um, I think a lot of critics have drunk the Kool-Aid on this one because I either that or they've got a completely different cut of this movie yeah. that I did not see. Um Moneyball. Really? Uh, yeah. When I heard about Social Network, which mm-hmm. was also written by Aaron Sorkin, mm-hmm. as was Moneyball, you think, okay, movie about Facebook, um, about a bunch of guys sitting around typing on a computer. How is that going to be interesting for two hours? Well, okay, you have David Fincher, which helps. That helps. But still, like, you wouldn't think the movie would be that interesting, and it was. So I heard about Moneyball. It's like, okay, it's a movie about statistics and baseball and how to formulate a team without having a lot of money. Okay, doesn't sound that exciting. Oh, but it's Aaron Sorkin. Oh, okay. Maybe it'll be okay. No. Boring. Really? Boring, boring, boring. A sports movie that manages to barely show any baseball and be boring. Like, you know, a sports movie, it's just... Man, it was bad. Um, acting, Brad Pitt, I didn't think was that great. A lot of people were giving credit. No, good in Tree of Life, not so great in this. You did have Philip Seymour Hoffman in it. Yes, for the small amount of time he was on screen, he was good. Jonah Hill, okay, he wasn't annoying, but I wouldn't say he was good. He was just there. He was adequate. Hmm. But, you know, normally after Super Bad, I'm just was kind of turned off. I don't really like Jonah Hill. You're not Hill. a big Jonah Hill fan, no. Now. Although he was good in Cyrus. But, um, yeah, Moneyball, I just think it's the – I heard lots and lots about it. There was even a ward talk about it at one yeah. time. Um, that movie did nothing for me. It was the biggest disappointment. By, and, yeah. yeah. All right, I'm going to have to watch it this weekend so I can <laughs> either try to refute you or, okay. or, or go along with you. Uh, my biggest disappointment, Super 8. Oh, man. 
I want I to really, review on Foot Candle Films about Super I really 8. did not like Super 8. I don't understand how you could not like that movie. All right, there's you one. didn't make my top five. It's but. one thing to say that you're going to be inspired by Spielberg. It's another thing to basically take elements from all of Spielberg's movie and try to mash them together into a film and still get the same emotional resonance that you would from the originals. It did not work. I'm sorry, you've got... A monster creature, which, again, the whole CGI thing, which I still think ruins it, Hmm. okay? Instead of it being a true living creature thing, you've got this computerized creature, which never works. (laughs) There was no emotional connection. I mean, this is a creature that is killing people one minute, and then the next minute we're supposed to sympathize with it and be able to feel like it's in pain or whatever. No, I'm sorry. I don't – the connection just did not work there. Um, The only part of this film I liked – was watching the actual movie that the kids made during the closing credits. That was fun. If it had been a movie just about kids making their own horror movie, I'd watch that. The minute it stopped being about that and being about this actual creature coming into the town, it just completely lost me. It did not work. I thought the ending was incredibly over-the-top cheesy and sentimental when it didn't earn it at that point yet. Yeah, it was a real big disappointment because I really like J.J. Abrams. Hmm. I love Spielberg, old classic Spielberg movies. I like monster movies. I like the idea of kids making movies. Everything about this movie should have worked for me, and it did not. Well, see, I, um, I hear what you're saying. Tell me how I'm wrong. But I'm not going to say what, that you're wrong. I think the thing is I'm not as big of a Spielberg fan as you are, and yeah. we went on record saying how I wasn't. I think like I'm not. We talked about that last night. I'm month. not that big into it. Um so I guess my expectations weren't that high. And then I went in and saw it, and I was like, oh, that was fine. I mean, I kind of I, – I thought it was okay. Yeah. And I think the thing is, I think – and I guess this is where I come down. I, I think a lot of his movies are cheesy. So the fact that you make a cheesy ending, it's like, yeah, that's E.T. Don't get no, me wrong. I no. like E.T., but I think, you know, it's But E.T. Like earned its, its, its ending. I mean, you felt it I think it, it earned its end. ending because you were eight years old when you no, saw no, it. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. It earned, its, it, it, it earned the ending because it built up that relationship throughout the film. We're supposed to care about the kid. You didn't emotions. care about the kid? No, I care about the kid. But I don't care about the kid's connection to the alien. And I don't, the whole lost mother thing. It just, it was trying at the end to say, let's do this and let's do this to see if we can get them to cry at this point. And then we're going to make them feel sentimental at this point. You don't it was think, felt you very don't manipulative. Spielberg ever oh, I think Spielberg's very manipulative, but he knows how to make it work for the whole duration of the film. You don't feel like you're getting thrown at you in the last 10 minutes of the movie mm-hmm. and saying, oh, we got to wrap up with a real emotional heart tugging ending here. Let's <laughs> do this and this and this, and this will work. Now Spielberg at least knows from frame one, he's going to build you up to get you crying by the end or getting mm. you feeling a certain way. Yeah, it's manipulative, but he knows how to make it work and you don't feel cheated with it. Super eight. I just, at, by the end of that movie, I'm like, what, where did this ending come from? Why, why do I even care about this anymore? Hmm. So yeah, sorry. Don't like it. Well, Chris, you know, one thing I've got is even though super eight was my biggest disappointment, it was not my worst film of the year. Sounds like Moneyball might've been like a disappointment in probably one of the, Lesser films you saw this year. Yes. Okay. I actually had a worse film of the year that I saw. So, okay, let me, before you, yeah. before you get there. So you're not saying super, you're saying it was a big disappointment, but yes. it's not a overall bad film. Well, yeah, I am saying it's an oh, overall okay. bad film. I, 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 <laughs> it's it's, in, the, it's in the bottom 10 of films I saw this year. Oh, wow. But it's not the worst film I saw okay. this year. The worst film I saw this year was Transformers 3. Ah. Um, I'm sorry. All of the Transformers movie are, have been the worst films of the year I've seen. 
I am I I don't know if I'm just getting old. I don't know what the deal is, but I watch these films. I honestly don't know what's going on half the time. I can't tell the robots apart from one another. I have headaches after watching these movies. <laughs> it is and I love, I mean, you heard me talk about Real Steel. Yeah, I like love fighting robots. robots. But these movies, my gosh, what is going on with them? It's like, mm. let's make the plot so convoluted. Let's throw every imaginable robot machinery action sequence on the screen. Let's make it so hard to even discern what's going on. Mm. And then you've got just horrible acting surrounding it, the most cliche situations. These movies, uh, you know, some people are saying this third one was like the best of the three. Okay, maybe it was, but that's not saying much. It's still the worst film of the year I saw. So, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not a big fan of these films. Sorry, Alex. I know my son's a big fan, but uh, sorry, Dad's not. Is Shia LaBeouf still Mm -hmm. in those? Yeah, he was in this one, too. So yeah. his acting career, like I remember before Indiana Jones, people were saying like he was going to be like they were just thinking, oh yeah, he's going to be this huge star. He did Christ- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, horrible, and then he's done these Transformer movies. Is he like? Gonna- I don't think he's done anything else that I'm aware of. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but this this is just it's a Bad. big I mean, uh, headache inducing over over CGI. And I mean, granted, the, the special effects are impressive; they look good. But that's not what I go. That's not what I'm watching a movie for. Sure, I got to have a little more than that. So. Did it? Did it try to do like the pre-story because it was like they were on the moon and they've been there forever? And I then... couldn't tell you. <laughs> I really don't know. There was a moon involved. Okay. People were on the moon. I do recall that. <laughs> but it was just... and there seemed to be a robot like somehow buried on the moon. Oh, okay. But I couldn't tell you when that happened or why or what the significance was or anything. Wow. A lot of buildings blew up. Uh, robots fought each other. A lot of explosions. That's really all I remember. Just a big blur after that. So, okay. So Transformers three and Moneyball. Really, those are our worst two films. Transformers yeah. three. I'm, I'm, I can totally understand, but Moneyball. Wow. Moneyball. That's, yeah. That's Bad. a surprise. Whew. Okay. So we have gone through all of our best films of the year, both foot candle and non foot candle films. Um, and we also talked about some ones that really let us down this year or just mm-hmm. did not perform up to par. So you got some feedback for us. You got some things you want to tell us we're right or wrong. We would love to hear from you. Call us on the mesh line, 828-619-0048 and leave a voice message. Tell us uh, what you agree with, what you didn't agree with. What were your favorite films of the year that we didn't mention? We'd love to hear from you on that. Uh, so leave us a voicemail, or you can send it by email at info at themesh.tv. There's also a contact us form on the Mesh website that you can fill out if you would rather do it that way. So for Foot Candle Films, I'm Alan. I'm Chris. Take care. Special thanks to Carpal Tuller for the show theme music. For more about Carpal Tuller, visit www.carpaltuller.com. You've been listening to The Mesh. 
an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard. I'm ready to set this up, so okay. I don't know where to go with it. Hello, and welcome to Foot Candle Films. Uh, if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we did a review of the film uh, that we shot. Shoot, I just forgot what the name of the film was. <laughs> the Guard. <laughs> uh, it's okay. 11.15 at night, people, and yes. I'm tired. 